Is That Really in the Bible presents the teaching ministry of David Freeman. Okay, the last time, it was a couple weeks ago, I, I spoke on the subject of forgiveness, and uh, this one's going to tie into that to some degree. Um, I talked about God forgives immediately. We don't have to suffer. We don't have to wait. We don't have to, you know, someone said, how long should a believer feel guilty about sin? Well, probably about however long it takes to confess it and say, Father, forgive me, I have sinned. So uh, I don't know how long it would be, about 10 seconds maybe. And, you know, the myth, is, one of the myths is that guilt makes me a better person. And I'm not sure, you know, if that is true or not to carry that guilt, to carry that condemnation, to always be struggling in that area of guilt when you have been forgiven. I'm not sure that's a, that's a good idea. Um, I talked about God forgives completely. God forgives completely. You see, the problem is if we don't under, completely understand forgiveness, every time something bad happens in your life, you're going to think God is punishing you. And that, is, that leads to incredible condemnation, self-condemnation. Um, we need to, uh, number three, God forgives repeatedly. Have you ever committed the same sin twice? <laughs> well, we, we all have. And so, you know, sometimes we may be embarrassed to ask for forgiveness again because it's something that we just did last week, maybe. But God does not get bored with our confession. Okay, if you confess your sins, I will forgive you. Uh, and four, God forgives freely. We don't earn it. It's by God's grace that he forgives. And because we are... Human, forgiveness is our greatest need, and forgiveness is God's greatest gift he gives us, which is an incredible you know, thing to realize about God. So, what I'm going to talk about today is willful sin. And I, I was actually, I, what encouraged this is I was listening to a Bible study by a church of God and by that subject, willful sin. And it really disturbed me. Uh, it it and that could be my compulsive, obsessive disorder that got to thinking about that. Oh, no, uh, willful sin, willful sin. Maybe, maybe I'm guilty of that. And, and it just, it, it didn't provide enough information, the, the Bible study didn't. It, it left me feeling not lifted up, <laughs> but down and discouraged and woe is me. <laughs> you know, one of the things you always want to do if you give a message, you want to give people hope. Because if you don't give people hope, that, that leaves them unhopeful, you know, without hope in the world. And, and we have enough of that, just looking at the world at large. Um, but this one's Hebrews 10 and verse 26. It says, Hebrews 10 and verse 26, For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sin, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversary. Now, the dilemma, I think, is this. You know, at least in my life, when times are good and you're flowing through life and you've got, you got money, you know, you, you've got a, a good job, you've got health, you've got everything going for you, it's easy to believe in the grace and mercy and forgiveness of God when everything is flowing your way. But when things are bad, this is when it becomes a challenge. When you're sick, when you're broke, 
when your relationship maybe is broke, when your back is against the wall, when there seems to be no light at the end of the tunnel, when tragedy strikes, when the death of a loved one occurs, uh, maybe suicide, something happens in your family system, you know, suicide. Uh, even the, the death of a beloved pet <laughs> can send you over, because I'm convinced some people can love their pets more than they do humans. And uh, I may be one of those people. You know, the more people I meet, the more I, I, I like my dog or something like that. Oh, there's a shirt you could buy. Uh, <laughs> but, and on top of all that, that can go on in our lives, when you look at the conditions of the world, terrorism, child abduction, child abuse, when innocent people suffer, uh, deception, you know, you look at all the deception, and sometimes you don't know what to, who to believe or what to believe, all the different opinions. When you cry out, God, where are you? You know, and you think, well, maybe God did not look after me like I was expecting, or he's not provided my needs, or he has abandoned me, all the thoughts that we can go through. It's easy to start questioning God's love for you and to think we start searching for reasons why. And that's the killer right there. You, you can go down that road of searching for reasons why. Why, you know, and I'm a fix-it man. I almost got to know why. I've got to figure it. I like it when things break. And, and you know, and you think, okay, why, 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 why is this going on in my life? And so you start searching for reasons why, and then you come up against this one. Maybe I have sinned willfully too many times. All right. Have you ever done something that you knew was wrong? Now, I'm not talking about sin out of ignorance. Uh, sin out of ignorance, people, you know, what you don't know, you don't know that you, you, you don't know it. People sin out of ignorance all the time. They just don't know that what they're, what they're doing is wrong. So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you did something and you knew it was wrong. And again, you come up against this. Uh, Hebrews 10 and verse 26, For if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sin. Now, it's important to understand the context of that verse. If you read Hebrews chapters 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8, and 9, and 10 leading up to this, there's no mention of outward sin. It's addressing an inward sin called unbelief of a group of people. Now, it's critical to understand the context of this verse and not let it tear you apart. So there's a group of people, well, let's call them Jews here, and in Galatians 3 and verse 1 sort of tells what was going on here. Paul addresses these, these people, and he says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently sent forth, crucified among you. This only would I learn of you. Received you the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Oh, you, are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? So here's a group of people, and this is the context of this verse, who had accepted the sacrifice of Christ, but were returning to, let's say, works of the law for their justification. Alright, maybe they're returning to the fence building around the law of God. Uh, justification by works. Works of the flesh. And it is in this light that this scripture 
comes to, to mind of willful sin. In fact, Adams Clark's commentary says this, it has nothing to do with backsliders in our common use of that term. A man may be overtaken in a fault or he may deliberately go into sin and yet neither renounce the gospel nor deny the Lord that brought him. His case is dangerous, but it's not hopeless. No case is hopeless, but that of the deliberate apostate who rejects the whole gospel after having been saved by grace or convinced of the truth of the gospel. So, what I'm saying is, it is in that light that we need to understand willful sin. Okay, that, that does not describe you. You have not rejected in the grace of God and have pursued another way of justification. That, that obviously does not describe you. So, again, people that were placing no value on the sacrifice of Christ and a disregard for. Uh, you need to understand this context here because if you don't, it can open the door to incredible self-condemnation. But let's go a little bit deeper about willful sin. Does this verse mean that no Christians have ever sinned willfully? What does that mean? Okay, I, I describe it like this. To take our free will that we all have and choose poorly. <laughs> you choose the wrong thing. Okay, that, that might be a, a decent definition of, of willful sin. But again, if that's what it means... If it does, then we're all condemned to destruction, are we not? Because we've all done that, all right? Every Christian that God has called is condemned. What we really need is deathbed repentance. And it never really dawned on me why that, pop, that idea was so popular. I remember watching a movie about a, it was a woman that crossed the road. She got hit by a car. And this, this Catholic priest came up to her and saved her as she was dying, you know. But the idea is, you know, I guess that's the only way if this verse about willful sin is, is, you know, when you do something, you take our free will and choose poorly. But this doesn't, you know, that's not what willful sin is. This doesn't jive with the Bible. You know, I will remember their sins no more. But if you sin willfully, I will not remember. You know, I'll remember your sins. Uh, by grace are you saved. Uh, Romans 3 and verse 25 whom God has sent forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. What sins are past? Well, when we confess and ask for forgiveness, it is now a past sin. Okay? And we need to understand that. A lot of times we, we're like a spiritual grave robber. We dig, up our, we dig up our own past. Now, I know people can do that about other people who hold a grudge, spiritual grave robbers digging up the past. But sometimes we do it with ourselves. Why are we remembering something God has forgiving, forgiven? Now, what sets us up to sin? Let's, let's digress a little bit and just talk about that. Well, you know what the reason we fail, temptation, weakness. Often, sometimes lies of the enemy that we believe can set us up. Uh, defining moments in our lives. I'm convinced of that one big time. You know, there can be defining moments that sort of set us up into a trend that created a lot of weakness, a lot of struggle. Uh, addiction can be another area that we struggle with. And sometimes, you know, because I did something, 
a year ago or last week, something you've struggled with all your life, you, di you did it and you knew that it displeased God. You know, sin has a power. It, it has a power all its own. It really does. And what you need to understand, what we need to grasp and stay close to is that God can and will forgive you. It's never too late to repent. It's never too late. So, if we sin willfully, we take our free will and choose poorly. All right. Think about Adam and Eve. Did they take their free will and choose poorly? You better believe it, you know. I mean, they, they did. King David. Did he take his will and choose poorly? Yes, he sees this beautiful woman bathing. Okay, they, all right. They, they did that. Now, here's the thing. Often we interpret, I don't want to sin, but I do it anyway, as willful sin. That's, that's not, okay, that's not what willful sin is. Okay, let's take a look at Paul. And Paul begins to talk about what I call unwillful sin. You know, I, I don't want to do it, but I do it anyway. Okay, let's take a look at what he said. Romans 7 and verse 14. Romans 7 and verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I know not. For what I desire, that I do not do. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do that which I do not desire, I consent unto the law that it is good. But now it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. And that's what I meant by sin has a power all its own. It really does. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwells no good thing. For to will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good I do not find. For I do not... Boy, this is difficult. For I do not do the good that I desire, but the evil which I do not will that I do. If I do what I do not desire, it is no more I working it out, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that when I would do right, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law in my mind and bringing me into captivity, the law of sin being in my members. O oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Now here's the thing you need to realize. Your heart, there's, there's two parts of you. Your heart wants to do the right thing. But often it is the flesh that gives us such a hard time. That's where the, you know, and you need to, to realize that separation there. Uh, let me explain it this way. Think about when you're tempted. If I had a magic box, and this magic box says push me, it's a little button on top, you push it. But every time you're tempted and you're struggling, I said, this magic box, you push that button and that temptation will immediately vanish. It will dissipate. You won't have it. You're, maybe you're struggling mightily. Great temptation to yield to sin. And I said, push that box, it will go away. How many of you would push the box, the button? Yeah, you'd push it. What does that tell you about yourself? Yeah, <laughs> you don't want to sin. Okay. And that's, you, you need to know that about yourself, if it was that simple. Uh, but there's something that God wants us to do. It's called overcoming. All right.
So what that tells you about yourself, that the heart, the inward man, wants to do the right thing. But it is the flesh that gives us such a trouble. Does this tell you that okay, you would push that button? Does this tell you that you've committed the unpardonable sin? No, no, that's not what that tells you. Does this tell you that when you commit willful sin or repent, that it cannot be forgiven? No, that's not what it tells you. Um, Galatians 5 and verse 17. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another so that you cannot do the things that you would. Question, does God understand your weakness? Absolutely. Absolutely. What does he think about willful sin? He hates it. <laughs> and he wants us to be an overcomer. He wants us to be an overcomer. All right. How do we do that? Romans 8 and verse 1 begins to tell us. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. That the righteousness of, verse 4, Romans 8 and verse 4, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now, again, sometimes the flesh wins out. And that can strike a, a, a sense of fear in our hearts. You know, I haven't been walking after the Spirit like I should. I've submitted to the flesh again. You know, that fear that you have is a good thing. That fear tells you that the Holy Spirit is working in your life. If you didn't have any fear and you said, I don't give a rip, that would be another story. But the fact that you have the concern is a good thing. It tells you the Holy Spirit is still is working in your life. You know, overcoming, part of overcoming, and this is something that we often overlook, is getting back up when you have failed. That's part of overcoming. Now, none of us want to fail. The heart doesn't want to go there. But when you have failed, part of overcoming is getting back up, not lying there like, you know, and never trying again. You know, you repeat and try again. There is, therefore, now no condemnation. Condemnation is not from God. We need to realize that. It's just not from God. Whatever that condemnation that you're giving yourself, it's not coming from God. If, if we could look at the battlefield, Satan's army, the front-line soldiers out there in his army are named... Accusation and condemnation. That's the frontline soldiers that are after you. Accusation, condemnation. Revelation 12 and verse 10, breaking into that verse, says, For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accuses them before our God day and night. When does Satan not accuse nor condemn? He never backs off. He never stops it. It's day and night. The condemnation and the accusations. They can be things like, I'm no good. God cannot forgive me. I have sinned willfully. I've committed the unpardonable sin. God cannot love me. I've grieved the Holy Spirit. Uh, I need to give up. Where's that coming from? The pit. It's coming from the front line soldiers of Satan's army. 
coming directly from the pit of hell. You need to identify this. You need to identify this. And I think hard times sometimes can produce these kinds of thoughts. And you need to ask the question, is this coming from the leadership of the Holy Spirit? Are these thoughts about us? Are they coming from the leadership of the Holy Spirit? If it's a spirit of condemnation, it's not from God. And I also, I want to say this. Our religion, our belief, can be a, um, it can have a tendency to lead to, you know, what I call, you know, a, a performance-based religion. Or even it can, out of a fear, in other words, man, I've been doing pretty good for a month now. I've really been on top of things. And, and we begin to drift away from, you know, it goes into a performance base and we forget God's goodness, God's power, God's grace, God's, God's forgiveness. And we have a tendency to drift and it's, all, it's building up in a performance-based performance religion and then we fail. And uh, you, you just want to be aware of that, how you can drift into that performance. I'm doing really good. I've been doing good for three months now, and, and I'm really something. And <laughs> but uh, don't, don't uh, go too far in that direction of performance-based religion. Uh, it, it's about a relationship with God. And I don't want you to take this out of, don't go too far with what I'm about to say here, but in a relationship with God, the Father, you need to grasp, and it's, it's sort of been hard for me because maybe some of my beliefs have been in performance base, but in a relationship with the Father, even if, if I do this, I fail, God will forgive me. You need to acknowledge that. I mean, I'm not, that's not an excuse to fail. But you need to have that in, in your relationship with God that I know that even if I do fail, God will forgive me. You need to, you need to grasp that. First Thessalonians 5 and verse 23. And I'm going through this quickly. But, but, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved and blameless into the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that called you, will also will do it. Yeah. What's God going to do? He's going to see you through to the very end. God is bigger than our shortcomings. He's bigger than our shortcomings. Philippians 1 verse 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He's going to finish the work. Hebrews 13 and verse 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And then John 6 and verse 39. And this is the Father's will which has sent me. Christ speaking here. That of all which he has given me, I should lose nothing but raise it up again at the last day. You know, your confidence needs to be in what God is doing in your life, what God will do in your life. I want to look at God's everlasting love, Romans 8 and verse 31. 
We'll read this, Romans 8 and verse 31. Romans 8 and verse 31. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Who is, who is he that condemns? It is Christ that died, yea, rather is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yeah, amen to that. I mean, that is a powerful, powerful scripture. And so I want you to think about when you struggle in this area, I want you to think about the example that I gave you of the little button up here that when tempted, would you do? You would push that button and that reveals a lot about you. Uh, the prodigal son. I want you to think about him for a second. Give me my inheritance. Was it willful sin? <laughs> you know, did the father know? I mean, did he take his will and choose poorly? Yes, he did. Did the father know the character of the son? You know, yeah, I'm sure he had a good, you know, he's going to spend it on wine, women, and drink. That's exactly what my son is going to do. I'm, I'm sure the father knew that. Uh, something that someone said a long time ago, and I've I, I remembered it ever since. The minister that said this, that it's powerful. God did not call you in spite of your sin. You know, God didn't look down at you and say, oh boy, there is a dirty, rotten, nasty sinner addicted to this, addicted, and, and I got to call him. God did not call you in spite of your sin. He called you because of your sin. We overlooked that. Jesus said, I haven't come to call the righteous, but the sinner to repentance. Who is it that God is calling? Sinners. You know, and I... I'm not knocking a person who, who says this, but I've, I've met a lot of people that, who will say, man, I've been a seeker after God all my life. I've loved the Lord ever since I come out of the womb. I've always wanted to please God and do what God said. Okay, if that describes you, I, I understand what you're saying, but David cannot relate to it. <laughs> because I know where I've been. <laughs> um, You know, the, the, pair, the, the prodigal son, he comes back with what I call a canned speech. Father, I've sinned against you and in the heaven and the earth. And, you know, and it's like the father just, yeah, you know, okay, I don't want to hear that. Uh, the father says, look, I welcome you home. You're home where you belong. It's never too late to repent. Never too late. To conclude, 1 John 1 and verse 8. 
First John 1 and verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us all our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, it's never too late to repent and be cleansed from all unrighteousness. It's never too late to start the process over again, no matter how many times you've blown it. Verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and the word is not in us. So, to conclude, willful sin. It's, I'm going to go through, just rehearse five points about what we've gone through. Willful sin, Hebrews 10 verse 26. It's critical to understand the context of the scripture. It's dealing with the subject of unbelief. People that had turned away from the sacrifice of Christ Jesus and adopted another method for justification. Critical to understand the context of that verse. Lest you spend your whole life thinking, oh no, I, 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 you know, I, I, I'm guilty of this willful sin. Number two, all Christians do it. Take their will and choose poorly. Yeah, we've all been guilty of that. When we take our will and choose poorly. Three, often we interpret, I don't want to sin, but I do it anyway. We interpret that as willful sin. That's not willful sin. That is not willful sin. All sins that you confess, number four, and repent of are forgiven. They're in your past. All sins that you confess and repent of are forgiven and in your past. Number five, God loves you and will never give up on you. He will see it through to the very end. Okay. If you would like more information or if you have any questions, write to Is That Really in the Bible? 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Or visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.net.